Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. I tried to tell you, Mike, Saints are the Super Bowl champions. Red versus blue next, 60 seconds. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio. With your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. We're going to play Name That Tune to start off Red vs. Blue, so let's take a listen. Uh, it was a tough road to hold, but uh, 
finally made good on it with uh, New Orleans and uh, Drew Brees, uh, Pierre Thomas not getting his rush attempts and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just want to welcome uh, all the uh, Red versus Blue crew, and uh, we're just uh, excited to uh, do another show and uh, moving moving forward uh, from this point. But uh, I'd, I'd like to talk about them uh, here in a little while, if you don't mind, Scott. But uh, you know, lay out the well, lay out the groundwork, but Hey, we're gonna do it. Uh, we do it as always every Friday evening at 11 p.m. Eastern. It's Red versus Blue High Stakes Fantasy Radio, and uh, you know we are a part of the FantasySportsChannel.com. I want to bring it up. Check out all the new Fantasy Sports Channel homepage at www.fsc.fm. We've now made it easier than ever to listen live to our show and chat in the chat room which we affectionately call the crew here at Red vs. Blue, comprised of all the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, all from one place. Just visit fsc.fm every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern and click the Chat Now graphic, and you'll be all set. Again, that's www.fsc.fm. Don't forget to check out the other great programs while you're there. Mark Bryant has done an excellent job. Mike, it was a, a fantastic Super Bowl. I think it was the most watched Super Bowl of all time. I think I heard a statistic on that. And, uh, man, it, it comes down to that one pass by Peyton Manning again deciding it. And you could say that pass decided. You could also say that onside kick call. Which had a bigger impact in the game, Mike? Oh, there's no question about it, the, uh, the onside kick. Uh, Tracy Porter, uh, he, was, he was interviewed on a show that I heard earlier in the week on Monday, actually, and he said, uh, you know, they called it, uh, what, annihilation was a, was a, the play call, and uh, it didn't surprise me one bit that uh, they did that because uh, Sean Payton, I mean, he's that style. I mean, he does – that's the way he goes about things, and uh, it surprised everybody. It surprised Hank Baskett, obviously, <laughs> and uh, – you know, it was it was a fun thing to watch, and it was a ballsy call. It was one of the best calls I've ever seen out of a head coach, and uh, because you can't get Peyton Manning coming out of halftime, you cannot get Peyton Manning a short yardage, you know, forty yards, and say, okay, here's the ball. But uh, it was something that they uh, they drew up, and uh, they knew what they were going to do, and they executed it uh, perfectly. Well, the tail of two quarters in that first half, Mike, the, the Colts seemed to dominate the first quarter with time of possession and yardage and first down. They jump out to that early lead with the uh, Garcon touchdown, Pierre Garcon, 18-1 to to score the first touchdown of the game. If you scored on that, uh, if you threw your $10 down, you made 180 on that touchdown. And a uh, nice way to start the night for Pierre Garcon. And then the second quarter just kind of flipped the script. New Orleans kind of did their thing. Uh, the Colts did have a good goal line stand that kept Pierre Thomas uh, out of the end zone. Also kept Mike Bell. And I don't know if you've seen the replay, but, boy, Sean Payton lit into Mike Bell when he went into the goal line there and tried to get in there and score. He slipped. He wasn't even tackled. If you remember, he just slipped. And, and Payton ripped into him, man. He got on the sideline and he said, what are you wearing? And then he ripped up the shoes. And, he, and, and I heard him, Mike. He said, because on the replay, he said, get your damn cleats on. He was so angry with Mike Bell. I wouldn't be surprised if he, even though they won the game, I wouldn't be surprised if he did get cut after that because I didn't see him after that. And it was all Pierre Thomas after that anyway. But, you know, after those Garrett Hartley field goals right there at the second uh, quarter when, when the Colts gave the ball back, 
The momentum kind of changed right then and there. With letting them sneak that field goal in like that to make the game 10-6, you could tell the momentum was just oh so slightly shifting at that point. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, it, it was shifting, and it, it shifted before the onside kick, but, uh, you know, once that onside kick was converted, uh, it was – I think it was over. I mean, because New Orleans, they knew what they had to do. Uh, Drew Brees knew what, knew what he had to do. And uh, I think the New Orleans defense was so much more confident. It's amazing what one play can do to whether it's your offense or defense. I mean, it can affect the whole team. And yeah. that's what happened in that game. Yeah. And, and I'm talking to uh, Lance, uh, sports betting man in the chat room at Red versus Blue Crew. Uh, Lance says, uh, the 10-6 uh, at half, if Indy got the onside kick at the 30, it's at least a 13-6 uh, or even a 17-6 lead right away. Uh, and, and, and I looked at that onside kick, Mike, at the start of the second half, and I, I honestly thought the Colts recovered the ball, and that was the longest huddle, uh, the longest pile I think I've ever seen, that before they yeah. finally made a decision. I, I've never seen them pile on that long. And, and watching the replays, it sure did look to me – uh, like the Colts, you know, pull that ball back in. But nevertheless, at the end, you know, you, you, whoever comes out of the pile, it's, it's clawing, it's biting, it's, it's pinching, it's whatever you could do to get that ball. Hey, hey, hey dude. Who wants it the most? Who wants it the most? And uh, at the end of the pile, uh, you know, you talk to your Ted Hendricks, uh, old Oakland Raiders tight end. I mean, you talk to all, all them old guys, they'll say the same thing. Who wants it at the end? And uh, it happened to be uh, New Orleans, and they got it, and they wanted it. And New Orleans is going, uh oh. I mean, Andy's well, going, uh oh. Yeah, I, I could have given the MVP to you know several people there on that game. Obviously, Terry uh, or, or Tracy Porter there uh, with that interception. That was uh, vital. Um, you you, you got to look at Drew Brees for the MVP. But I'll tell you, if the Indianapolis would have won that game, Joseph Sadai was having the best game I think we've seen from him all year. And here's a guy that's completely underrated. Uh, obviously, he played very hard this year, had his best season. To me, I think he had his best season, you know, he's ever had since he's been in the league and always getting uh, slammed by the media, Mike. This guy played so hard all season long. He, he finishes the eighth best running back in the league in fantasy scoring. And then to put that type of performance and that type of stamp on a season uh, in the Super Bowl, nonetheless, uh, he had a great year and, and held off this rookie, Donald Brown. I think a die stock. There's no question about it, Scott. Uh, Joseph Adai should not be slammed for anything. He played great throughout the playoffs and uh, throughout going, uh, going through things uh, when they decided not to win or what have you. But uh, – when it came playoff time I'm, and Super Bowl time, Joseph Adai, he was there and he was the guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> so you, you can't slam him one bit at all. Uh, I cannot, uh, I can't slam the Indy, Indianapolis Colts uh, for anything they did. The only one thing that I would say is they were too conservative. They were just too conservative. They did not play Indy Colts uh, football the way I like to see him. Well, uh, it, it, it was a game that uh, we'll all remember. Sean Payton is one heck of a coach. We all know that now. Um, 
the, the team is ready. It, it's interesting to me to see that the Colts are already the favorites to win the 2011 Super Bowl. Uh, Bodog released their odds, Mike, and and I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you, you know, the Colts are the seven to one favorite, 13 to two now, uh, to win the uh, Super Bowl next year. And I think largely in part because you have Peyton Manning, uh, he's he's still considered in his prime, uh, coming off one of his best seasons ever. And he gets sure. several weapons back, Mike. He gets Anthony Gonzalez back as a wide receiver. We need to talk about him and figure out where he's going to fit in. But then he gets Bob Sanders and Marlon Jackson back on that stellar defense. You add Bob Sanders and Marlon Jackson healthy to that defense, and I can understand it. They're the, they're the favorite to win it all next year. Yeah, yeah, no question. And plus, uh, Joseph Adai, I mean, this guy, he's a stud. Joseph Adai is going to be ready uh, for next year. And, I mean, they're, they're going to be hungrier than they've ever been, especially since, since they lost the uh, Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. this team is going to be hungry. But there's going to be other hungry ones uh, waiting for them. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, wouldn't that be interesting? Dallas in Dallas. And then the very next year, it's in Indianapolis. So they're two years uh, removed here, two years away yep. from a, a Super Bowl in Indianapolis, and they've already dubbed it the Super City up here in, in Indianapolis. So they're, they're getting ready for a, 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 big, a big event and Scott, a big to do there. Scott, Scott I'm going to jump in. i gotta, uh, I got to brag on myself a little bit. Um, I, played, uh, I played six props and uh, two, uh, two other plays – on on Saturday night, and uh, before the Super Bowl, and it was uh, New Orleans to win plus one eighty. Nailed it. New Orleans minus three and a half plus two fifty. Nailed it. Breeze over two hundred and eighty three and a half yards passing minus one twenty. Good. Pierre Thomas rushing attempts under twelve. Minus one ten. Good. Jeremy Shockey receiving yards under 30 and a half, although he scored a touchdown. He still didn't get over 30 yards receiving, so that's a good thing. Manning over 304 and a half yards passing. Barely got that. Manning, Manning uh, attempt, passing attempts over 36 and a half. Got that. Manning, completions over 26 and a half. Got that. Wow. It's you been, how many hit them? How many, how many did you hit? I hit, uh, I hit all six of them. And it was, uh, it was, um, it's an amazing Super Bowl and one that wow. I, wow. I'll never forget because you don't, you, you very rarely hit all six props and you very rarely hit the, the winner that's a big dog the way I hit New Orleans. So it, it was a lot of fun. I just had to brag on that for a little bit. Well, and, and rightly you should. Six for six is a heck of a, of a parlay day to see all those plays happen. I love to be able to I, – uh, I like to put those into a parlay, and then you hit six for six, and we'd be talking some serious cash right now. But uh, yeah. we did have our little content, our draft. You didn't fare so well there. Uh, I finished you off 129 to 102. Ah! We, we won't talk about that too much because we do, we do have listeners that are more interested in other things. But, but I will say this. You know, obviously, a lot, of, a lot of people were in Super Bowl squares contest. You were in playoff competition. Um, John Duckworth, the yellow line is unofficial, a.k.a. War Kittens. 
Congratulations to him. He cashed the top prize. Our friend of the program, John Duckworth, cashed the very top prize at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, uh, their playoff competition. So he walks away with over ten, twelve thousand dollars there. I think it was twelve thousand. He walks away with that top prize for his effort. And you never know oh. who it's gonna be, Mike. Every year you never know which players it's gonna be. And sure enough, his last two guys were Drew Brees and Joseph Adai. And hey, yeah. they had they had great games and they double they're worth double points in the Super Bowl. And Adai and Brees made it happen for John. We we're really happy for him. Uh, couldn't happen yeah. to a nicer guy, and uh, we'll see him in Vegas again this year uh, for all the high-stakes action. So congratulations, John. But I was in a Super Bowl Square contest, Mike. Did I tell you about this? I was yeah, in a Super Bowl yeah, Square yeah, contest right. with a buddy of mine. These squares. Yeah, tell the listeners because uh, this is fun. Oh, man, this, the squares are 2500 apiece, a little steep for sure, probably the biggest one I've ever seen. And uh, I – with a buddy and I, we, we, we went on a couple of squares, and I, I had a portion of those squares, and we had the numbers 3-2, which is tough, anytime you have a 2, but our other numbers were 4 and 7, and it was uh, New Orleans, it was New Orleans 7 and Indy 4, okay, and there was a point in the game where Indianapolis was ahead 17-16, uh, to 16, and then the, Colts, the, the Saints scored that touchdown, so it put them at 20-22. They had to go, you know, looking at this, they have to get that two-point conversion. I'm, I'm sorry, I put them at 14. They had to get that two-point conversion at 16 um, to be able to have that chance. And they went ahead and got that two-point conversion, uh, and I was blown away. Now, all I need is Peyton to go down the field, get a touchdown, yeah. come back, and have Garrett Hartley kick a field goal, and we win that top prize of like 120 grand. Okay, you just, that's like taking the entire year of fantasy football, the entire year of high stakes competition, okay, and packaging it all into one single game, and coming out with a winner at a national level. Now, Mike, listen to this for a second. If you're the guy, yeah. you know, look, all I need is Peyton to go down the field, get a touchdown, and then Garrett Hartley come back and be the hero and win the game, and that's. That's very realistic, and so I've never rooted so hard for Peyton Manning in all my life. And here yeah, he plenty goes. of time to go. Plenty of time to go. Plenty of time. You know, so I'm three minutes away from cashing in on this prize, and then he throws that interception, and all of a sudden, now listen, all of a sudden, imagine, if you're the guy that has that score, that one and that seven, you know, uh, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe New Orleans got another touchdown. All I have to do is hold Peyton Manning out of the end zone. Okay. Conversely, if you're the guy that has the touchdown for Peyton Manning, you're like, get in there, go score the touchdown. And so, you know, yeah. all the way up to the very end, when they get to the goal line, you've got one guy that's saying don't score, you've got one guy that's saying score, and the difference in that score makes up, a, you know, gives somebody a hundred twenty thousand dollars. I mean, that's, that's yeah. really unbelievable. Difference is a lot of money, and you're sitting there going, "Okay, what what way is it going to go?" And you're like, "No, no." Yeah, it is. It's one of those contests that uh, if you get a chance to be a part of something like that, it's you got to take advantage of it just to just to get that uh, that that chance at some good numbers. And, and you never know the Super Bowl. You never know when a, a, a number can score like that. So it's just uh, it, it's, yeah. it's a fun contest. Now, I want to go back to the Super Bowl odds, Mike, real quick. I know we got our, our, our bragging out of the way and had our, our fun at the Super Bowl. But 
the, the Colts are the favorites, money line favorites to win the Super Bowl. Who would you guess would be the second odds-on favorite? Who would you guess would be the second odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl? New Orleans. You would think. You would think after Drew Brees did what he did, Sean Payton did what he did with that team, the Saints should be the favorite. Well, it's not. It's the San Diego Chargers. Okay. Go figure that out. I don't know how how you bump San Diego. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, so you got the Chargers at eight to one. You got the Saints at nine to one. The New England Patriots at ten to one. So there's your top four teams right there. Cowboys not in that discussion. And then the long shot favorite on the board, the long shot odds are the St. Louis Rams, one hundred fifty to one to win the Super Bowl. So you're going to go with them? <laughs> no, I'm not. But you know, we've seen stranger things, I guess. Uh, a rookie quarterback maybe getting drafted, the Sam Bradford type, and uh, maybe he takes them all the way. You know, that commercial, that Brett Favre commercial, I'm telling you, it was the funniest thing. Did you see it? 2020, you just won your fifth Super Bowl, uh, and he's like, uh, well, when you're older than the players and most of the coaches and most of the people watching on TV, it's kind of hard to decide, you know? <laughs> 2020. So I like to call this segment, Mike, I'm going to start doing this every Friday night, it's called Will He or Won't He? And so we're going to start off the very first inaugural inaugural segment here. Will he or won't he? Mike, will he be back or won't he? It's on you. Will he be back or won't he? You know, I love I love the 2020 thing. Cause I, well, I think I might be back. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, will he or won't he? Who cares? <laughs> Okay, will he or won't he? Is uh, apparently flopped on the first segment, so we're, <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it would be a good idea, will he or won't he? But maybe, maybe it was maybe it was just bad from the get go. Uh, I'm gonna say he will come back, Mike. He will come back, Brett Favre. We're gonna we're gonna do this uh, this roller coaster again. It's gonna be the exact same thing as last year. And uh, hopefully he can just decide by the 4th of July. He's gonna, uh, no, there's no doubt about it, Scott. He's going to go through the Norris Division. He's going through the Norris Division. Well, they've got to make a decision because if, if, if Farr doesn't come back, they have to have a, a decision here at, at quarterback. In, in His the next stop is Chicago. His next stop is Chicago. He's, done through, he's gone through Green Bay. He's gone through Minnesota. It's Chicago. He's going to go one year in Chicago, and then he's going to go one year in, uh, I don't know, what's left in the AFC Norris. 347-324-5404 is the number. We're live at Red versus Blue here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And, uh, Mike, the news of the NFL, uh, obviously, uh, there's a couple of stories circulating around right now. I guess the most interesting uh, from a fantasy perspective, I don't know if you can call it interesting or not, the Cincinnati Bengals, man, they're at it again, okay? I want to I wanna run some names by you, Mike. And Matt, <laughs> I know they're at it. Go ahead. Matt Jones signed this afternoon for $700,000 on a contract. Matt Jones is now a Cincinnati Bengal. Uh, if that's not a little hilarious, I don't I don't know what is. He, 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 all off-season. Off he don't what he is. We're waiting for him to sign with somebody, and he's – 
cocaine addict, I, ha- I guess. Uh, <laughs> he's on the team, man. He's the next Cincinnati Bengal. Uh, but it, it doesn't stop there, Mike. The Cincinnati Bengals have also had the infamous Adam Pac-Man Pac-Man. in their facility trying out Pac-Man. And, and trying to figure it out. Yeah, Adam Pac-Man Jones. So, so not only have you associated yourself with uh, Chris Henry from the past, rest in peace, Matt Jones now, Adam Jones is, is part of the equation. Okay, Mike, it's not over, okay? It's not over there. Okay. Okay, the Cincinnati Bengals also repeat, reportedly today have interest in signing Dante Stallworth. <laughs> it just goes from one one to the next. Well, so, I'll tell you so what. What you're doing? Here's a, it's it's kind of comical. Here's what I see: Marvin Lewis is not a head football coach. He is a anger management coach. He is a. I mean, he he goes without without question. He goes outside of his lines. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing. They're trying to bring in. Uh, what they're trying to do is just put people in the seats. Get they got to try to win. They got they got to go for the win right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Marvin Lewis, I guarantee you, because he's a stand up guy. Marvin Lewis is going. What the heck did we just do? <laughs> I don't know. Well, and Mike, it doesn't stop there. Chad Ochocinco wants Terrell Owens in the picture. So not only oh, Dante Stallworth, Adam Pacman Jones, and Terrell Owens all on the same team. You've got one heck of a of a prison. And you got Newport across the bridge. Look out. Oh, that's a recipe <laughs> for disaster. That's the funniest thing I ever heard, man. I couldn't couldn't believe. It. I just kept finding news, and it was all Bengal related, and every one of them was just a was just a troublemaker. <laughs> the other news in the NFL that I do want to mention, obviously, uh, the news of the Jacksonville Jaguars releasing Torrey Holt. Obviously, the knee is not in any kind of shape to uh, to play at a, at a competitive level on that squad. But the rumors are out there, and and not only rumors. Torrey Holt has went on record. He wants to reunite with Mike Marks in Chicago, Mike. Uh, so, Torrey Holt, will we see a reunion of Torrey Holt in, with Mike Marks in Chicago? Well, that could very well happen, but uh, the one thing that I'm, you know, Torrey Holt and uh, Mike Marks in Chicago, absolutely, I can see that happening. Uh, is it going to make a big fantasy impact? I don't think so. I really don't. Even though uh, Mike Marks, he loves that offense, uh, I don't think it's going to make a big fantasy impact. Uh you know, for everybody out there, uh, if you got, you know, a Tory Holt on, on your uh, dynasty league, I just don't, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the one thing is, uh, you better watch out because Jacksonville is going to end up being in uh, Los Angeles in 2012. Yeah, we'll see. They've been waiting for a team for way too long, and and they can't keep their fans happy in Oakland. So I don't know why LA would be much different, but. That is a, a different world over there, so we will see. Uh, they're they're, they're so, getting a new stadium. They're getting a new stadium, Scott, and because it, it's already been proven that LA cannot support a team in that stadium that that, that they have. So they're building one, and they're waiting for a referendum uh, to get to get it approved. And 
It's a done deal. L.A. deserves a pro sports football team. They haven't had one in years and years. They deserve one if they want it, and that's the bottom line, if they want it. 347-324-5404 is the number. We're just chatting football here. We're just kicking back. Uh, Mike's here. Uh, obviously, we've, we've uh, started up with DynastyGuys.com, Jeff Pesquino and uh, – the guys over at DynastyGuys.com have uh, really, really started something, really started something good here. Derek Collin and others. Uh, I decided that uh, I, I would take the opportunity to join the staff at DynastyGuys.com because I like what's, what's going on there, and I just want to get my feet wet and hold me to the fire here on my dynasty rankings this year. I'm a, I'm a dynasty player like a lot of you guys, and and uh, you know your rankings, uh, putting forth your rankings is a pretty important step if you want to be successful in these, uh, these startup dynasty drafts because you have to consider so many different factors, age, opportunity, injury. Uh, you know, just the, as a GM of a dynasty league, not just this year, you've got to think about the long picture and what you're trying to do and how you're trying to build your team. Now, the Fantasy Football Players Championship has started the first ever high-stakes dynasty league uh, for the high-stakes uh, opportunity and community here. Uh, I thought that I'm taking advantage of it, Mike. I'm, I'm in. I'm locked and loaded. I'm, I'm going to be joining their uh, 1250 uh, High Stakes Dynasty League, and, and I'm looking forward to building my team. And a big part of that is the is the, the players that you decide to uh, draft. Now, this week we're going to be unveiling the running backs that we have uh, ranked here. And, again, these are going to be fluid. These rankings are going to be moving a little bit. Uh, but this year we've seen, a, we've seen a tremendous surge in youth, okay, I mean, we've seen the Donald Browns and Ray Rice and Char- Jamal Charles and Felix Jones and Wells and Hightower, all these guys coming in, Sean Green, the list goes on and on. All these young guys are flooding uh, the scene here while the names of the past are just uh, saying goodbye. I mean, LaDainian Tomlinson, no way you could draft him in a dynasty league any, any, anytime soon. Brian Westbrook, I mean, he's done. I mean, it's over. Clinton Portis, how can you draft a guy like that? I mean, it's just. It's too tough to do in a dynasty league. You're going to get stuck with a guy that you can't use. Larry Johnson, I mean, all these names that, that have been dominant forces, uh, they're no longer going to be in the equation, Mike. And, and I know you love dynasty. You have a lot to say about uh, rankings for running backs. Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, there was a thread posted uh, on on there that said, uh, who not to draft? And uh you know, I, I think Alex and uh, Alex and Dave—they've done a wonderful job on uh, FFPC. Yeah. I mean, they—they've done a wonderful job on that, uh, on who not to draft, and you know, that—that'd be something uh, cool on uh, Dynasty guys. On uh, we, you know, if you can post on who not to draft, but right. then again, you know, there there might be some naysayers that say, well, you know, you say I don't want to. Draft him, well, I might want to. So it goes back and forth. Well, and, and again, so that's what we're looking at, dynasty uh, running back rankings. We're also going to be talking a little bit later in the program about, about the average draft position for the redraft leagues. There, there's leagues already starting up around, Mike, and, I, and it's interesting to see the, um, the, the, the decisions that are being made in the draft are very similar to dynasty. It's, it's kind of funny how that happens. You get really – you get this love for these young guys, man, because they have this tremendous upside, and uh, sometimes that can affect your uh, your redraft rankings in a negative way, where you're drafting too young and you need to draft a little bit more stable. 
guys like Michael Turner get neglected or guys like Dallas Clark get neglected. Uh, you can't forget about these guys, even though they've got some years on them. Uh, they're still going to be producing at a very, very high level. Randy Moss, another name, that won't be drafted very high in a dynasty league, but should be drafted high in a redraft league, right? Uh, it, it, it's just very difficult to make sure you can distinguish the two and separate the two uh, when it comes time to draft. So uh, we're going to come right back. Well, one thing about it, Scott, is, uh, yep. you know, the draft and everything has changed so much. The dynamics of it, I mean, it's changed incredibly. Because, uh, you know, it used to be, uh, you know, you had your one running back, this and that. But uh, now, you, now you have backup running backs. And uh, sure. you have, uh, your third wide receiver can, can, can become a charm. And right. so, uh, you know, when you're drafting, especially in dynasty leagues, you have to draft for the long haul and just understand that uh, these guys, they may not work out for you on week one through four, but they may work out for you big time on week five through nine, uh, ten through sixteen. And, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back with our running back dynasty rankings. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Sixty seconds. Hi, this is Greg Kellogg. You know the routine. It's Friday night. You're looking over your lineup. It's either Lavernius Coles versus the Browns or Lance Moore versus the Falcons. I'm a serious fantasy player, and regular fantasy advice just won't do. I need to know, without a doubt, that the fantasy advice I'm getting makes sense. That's why I listen to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Catch Scott Atkins in the Red vs. Blue Crew chat room every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those difficult-to-make lineup decisions. I'll be there. Will you? One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Well, and we appreciate that intro by our good friend. Uh, Mike, it's, it's, it's time for our Dynasty running back rankings, and, and, and I'm going to release these. And, 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 again, they're very tentative. They're very fluid. Uh, they're, they're, they're always moving. But get your pen and paper out so you can hold me to the fire. Uh, we're going to talk about them all throughout the offseason. But i got to start at the top, and the name that's on everybody's mind after the season that he put up, Mike, and the guy that you have to have if you have the number one pick, he's not 25 years old yet. He's still a young pup, Mike. Chris Johnson from the Tennessee Titans. He's at top of my board uh, at the running back rankings. What do you think about my number one running back pick? Well, I think I think it's nice, but uh, I'd rather have somebody. Uh, I don't know. I look like uh, Ray Rice, but you can't go wrong with Chris Johnson. Uh, I mean, he catches the ball out of the backfield. He does what what he needs to do. But I'm looking I'm looking at the back that. Uh, I'm looking at Bucks going to be on a winning team, and uh, I see that happening with Ray Rice more than uh, Chris Johnson. 
Wow. Uh, the way Vince Young uh, came back and commanded that team at the end of the year there, uh, rattling off seven of eight or eight of nine, whatever that was. Uh, yeah, who's their playing? Yeah, I think that's a team uh, that's, that's on the right track. Uh, the thing about Ray Rice that I didn't like was that he it required – his season required the receptions, okay? Chris Johnson does it without the receptions. Even though he's going to get them too, he's going to get his share. If Ray Rice doesn't get those receptions in several of those games, he's not having that type of game. He didn't have – I mean, there were several games where he didn't do anything on the ground, but, you know, because they were behind in several games, seven, eight, nine catches, uh, he was he was a he was a he was a fallback pill for Joe Flacco. And let's face it, if if the Ravens improve their passing game, if they bring in a wide receiver, which is what they're saying they're going to do, they said they're going they have to bring in a wide receiver this year. They're going to have somebody else to throw to. Uh, they didn't have a tight end over the middle for half the season. Todd Heath wasn't really healthy enough to catch them, uh, be as effective uh, receiving weapon. And then you know you don't have uh, you've got an aging Derek Mason on one side. They got they had to keep four speed into him. You know, Flacco had to just do what he had to do, and, and I see Ray Rice's numbers, a lot of what Ray Rice did, although I like him, and I've got him high, as my number one pick, I don't want somebody that's so reliant on the pass uh, to be my number one pick. So, yeah, you know, I think you are splitting hairs, but I think there's a pretty good there's a pretty good gap for me between Chris Johnson and Ray Rice, Mike. Yeah, you, you know, I can understand that, uh, but I, I, just, uh, I just see Ray Rice as just, Developing more, and I, I I see Ray Rice developing more than uh, Chris Johnson. Yeah, well, and again, it was 78 catches for Ray Rice. I mean, that's a uh, that's a large and in charge number for Ray Rice. Um, while uh, Chris Johnson only had 50, but Chris Johnson rushed for 2,000 yards on 350 carries. Uh, Ray Rice got 250 carries, rushed for 1,300 yards. Again, Chris Johnson yeah. led the touchdowns. He doubled his touchdowns, fourteen to seven, and we've seen it. Chris before, Johnson. Uh, see, the the one thing that Chris Johnson has, he has a burst of speed. After that, uh, you know, I'd say five, ten yards, boom, he's gone. Ray Rice doesn't have that, and that's the one thing that uh, will carry Chris Johnson over, uh, you know, off the charts. If you're a fantasy owner of Chris Johnson, yeah. And so when we look at number two, Mike, you would think that Ray Rice is right there. But, uh, again, I'm, I, I think you're splitting hairs here. You'd be happy to have anybody here. But at 25 years of age, Maurice Jones-Drew is still the player that I want on my squad. Again, another season with 15-plus touchdowns. This guy gets it, Mike. This guy, I mean, how many years in a row does he have to prove himself before we step up and realize and he's one of the best we've ever seen on the football field. 14 touchdowns, zone. 15 touchdowns, 20 touchdowns. This guy just absolutely does it all, and, and he's everything to the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was a there was a game that I was watching um, earlier this year that that really just uh, really just put it put it to me. And, and he he put up uh, three touchdowns at Houston, 23 carries, 119 yards. Uh, that he's the guy that you you just gotta love if you if you draft well, him through he's an absolute safe pick. Well, yeah, you know the difference between uh, you know if I start breaking down between Ray Rice and uh, NJD is uh, Jones Drew. When it comes to end zone time, they're gonna give it to him. Uh, when it comes to end zone time with uh, Ray Rice, it might not be him. It might be McKay again or what yeah. have you. 
So, uh, you know, I don't want to have to – if I'm going to draft that high, if I'm going to take a running back that high, which that's what we're thinking about, I don't want to have to question myself. I want to, I want to have somebody that I know that's going to get in the end zone, and, and J.D. can do that versus yep. Ray Rice. Yep, and, and, and Mike, I think uh, if you get an early pick this year in one of your dynasty leagues, I think you hang on to it. Both, all four, I've got four players in my top tier, four running backs in my top tier that really at the end of the day, if I'm one, two, three, or four, I don't pay too much to move up to one if I have four, and, and I, don't, I, I don't see the need to move up if I'm at four because I, I'm enjoying my, my second pick more than I would if I was at one. And so while there will be a lot of people that will ask you to, you know, to put a deal together and maybe trade for that pick, if I've got a top four pick, I keep it and I build around it. My top four, I run out my top four with Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson. All of those guys, uh, you can make a case for being number one. Chris Johnson, MJD, Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, Mike. You put four guys in a room, you're going to have four different answers to that question. All right. All right. And, and it looks uh, for next year's, uh, you know, for the draft and everything like that, it looks like uh, – you know, if you got wide receivers, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be doing, you're looking good. Uh, so then you look at the next tier uh, again. The chat room, uh, Lance and, and Alex, the guys they're talking about Grant Gore, uh, 1,200 yards rushing, 60 plus receptions, 12 plus TDs in 2010. Uh, that would be one heck of a season. I've got uh, this next tier of players might might surprise you a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna. I've, I've got them uh, in this next tier here. Rashard Mendenhall, I have at number five, uh, the lead running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now that's a player that a lot of people may not have that high, but let me go ahead and read down the rest of my players here. D'Angelo Williams at six. Uh, again, some people are, are worried about the, uh, the the competition for carries. They're there. a big D Will fan. Go ahead. Yeah, competition for carries there for uh, for D. Will, and again, he may be a free agent somewhere. He may be on the trading block. You never know what they're going to do. But if he gets his opportunity somewhere else, you know he's going to take advantage of it. And anywhere he goes, he's going to be the man. Um, they drafted Jonathan Stewart. Remember, before they knew D. Will was the man, that was kind of the catch right. two that they found themselves in. Then I've got Jamal Charles, a surprising addition here at number seven. I've got him ahead of Frank Gore. And I know some folks might uh, might see that as a little funny, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But then I've got Frank Gore at number eight, Jonathan Stewart at number nine, and No Sean Moreno at number ten. Mike, talk about those picks five through ten, and what looks right, what looks wrong. Well, I you know I see a lot on the top end that I don't like. Uh, no Sean Moreno, I love, I love, I absolutely love No Sean Moreno. Uh, your, what was that on the top end? Uh, you had a bunch of uh, running backs. Mendenhall, Mendenhall at number five, uh, yep. the anchor of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, ben yep. Roethlisberger's running back. I think you have to have him, especially as powerful as he looks. Uh, then I've got D'Angelo Williams at number six, Jamal Charles at number seven. Talk about Jamal Charles at number seven. Have we seen enough for him to warrant such a high draft pick? Well, you know, I think so. I mean, I mean, he had a big year last year, and you know, I think uh, Coach Haley is. Uh, I mean, he's putting something together in Kansas City that needs to be put together. You know, you you don't build it in a day. So, 
I mean, these guys are doing something that, you know, over time. So uh, the time is, you know, first year, last year was good. Second year, it's going to be this year. And we'll see what Coach Haley and uh, Jamal Charles does. I I like Jamal Charles, but uh, I still say that uh, you got better options on the tail end of it. Well, it's amazing what Jamal Charles did. He became the ninth best fantasy running back, and he didn't get his first start, Mike, until week 10. Kind of sounds like another player that we talked about last offseason. If you remember, his name was Pierre Thomas. And so but we know this kid has skill. We know he has talent. But the games that he did it in, uh, a little concerning. He played at Oakland uh, week 10, at San Diego week 12, Denver, Buffalo, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Denver. Those aren't exactly stellar run defenses. As a matter of fact, they're some of the worst. Uh, Denver, Buffalo, Cleveland, uh, Oakland, some of those are the worst run defenses in the league. But guess what? He plays in the AFC West. And the run defenses in the AFC West aren't that great. So he gets to take advantage of that again. And he racked up seven touchdowns, Mike, in his last uh, eight games. He, He racked up seven touchdowns for about 1,100 yards in eight games, Mike. I mean, if you're a Jamal Charles owner and Dynasty Leagues, keep him. You better keep him because uh, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this guy can play. He's very good. Uh, you know, whether you want to move forward with him and make a trade with him, then that's up to you. But uh, Well, if we learn anything, I would, Mike, I would almost stand pat and stay with him. If we've learned anything in Dynasty, you definitely sell high and buy low. This is this is how Dynasty leagues are won, and this is, this is how your teams are built. You sell high when when your player is at an all-time high value. Now, I'll bet you this is Jamal Charles' highest value. Now, if he can lead you to a title this year, great. But if you can improve your team and get two important pieces, get rid of him. That, yeah, a young guy that's on the way up and maybe another piece, you get rid of him, and you improve the the, the, the value of your team. You just get deeper. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I totally agree. I, you know, that's something I've learned in the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're a dynasty owner, I mean, it, it, it's the point to where you, you, you're an owner of a team and – you know, don't get don't get lovely with this guy because he he might not be your guy here in about two weeks. So uh, Jamal Charles is a guy that I do own in several dynasty leagues, and I'm and I'm pondering the do I sell or do I buy, uh, you know, or do I hold? And I, I, I'm still debating. Again, if if dynasty football teaches you anything, it, it teaches you that value is high. But you got a hold, Scott. You got a hold. If he can help you win a championship, it is a, it's a very hard it's a very hard player to sell. So I, I hear. Yeah, you got a hold. Uh, Frank Gore obviously still up at the top. Uh, Jonathan Stewart still up at the top. No Sean Moreno. These are all guys that have a ton of opportunity and, and they're worthy of being in the top ten. Now after that top ten and the big names come off the board, here's where it gets really interesting because I'm seeing some. Huge variances in these types of players, Mike. Look at Joseph Adai. Yep. Uh, on, on Dynasty Guys right now, he's ranked 24th overall. Michael Turner, 26th overall. Uh, these are guys that 
you know, you, you undervalue them, and somebody else scoops up the value and smiles and says, I don't care how sexy the pick looks. I don't care how, you, how it makes my team look young. I'm going to rack up a lot of points because look at the offenses that I'm on and, and, I'm, work, and I'm a workhorse. And Joseph Adai and Michael Turner, talk about either of those two guys, Mike, at 24 and 26. I say that's way too low. Yeah, it's, it seems way too low, but, uh, you know, uh, Joseph Adai, Michael Turner. I mean, the way I see it is Joseph Adai, I mean, he's, probably getting to his pinnacle of his career and going downward. Michael Turner, kind of same way. Uh, you know, if I'm looking at uh, Atlanta, I'm looking at Jason Snelling myself. Uh, the names in between the 10 and 25, though, Mike, let me give you these names. Uh, again, Steven Jackson uh, is somebody I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole right now with it, with what he's going nope, through. Nope, nope, nope. 27 years of age. Uh, again, nope. one of the dominant running backs in the league. Granted, he's still only 27. He could have three nope. dominant years left. I just don't know nope. something about that guy. I just really don't want to touch him right now. Uh, I'd rather have bad, a year time. Bad team, bad situation, Scott. Definitely, definitely a bad situation. I'd rather have a Pierre Thomas, Mike. I'd rather have a Felix Jones, uh, somebody that has just looks real exciting, and, and when they get their opportunity, you know they're going to shine with it. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is an interesting selection, Mike, because I've got him at number 12 on my board right now, and I, and I don't know why, <laughs> because he didn't show much this year with Westbrook's departure. <laughs> they didn't get him the ball like I thought they would out of the gate. But what I saw out of this kid in Pittsburgh was a kid who can hit the hole, who has moves, who has power, and and can do a little bit of everything. And I think as he develops, he's one of those buy-low candidates. LaShawn McCoy is one of those guys that will sneak up on you this year, and I, and I have him in my top 15. I've got Matt Forte, Mike, at 13. Uh, Matt Forte, uh, like I said, was considered in the top five. This guy's got to show me something, man. I mean, what, you know, I would love for somebody in the chat room or you, Scott, too, to show me or to tell me what Matt Forte can bring to the table. Well, he was, the number 12, he was the number 12 running back last year uh, on 250 carries, but his average yard per carry is, again, abysmal, Mike. 3.6 yards per carry for a yeah. guy that has uh, – I mean, it went down. It went down. The offense improved and it went down. He went from 3.9 to 3.6. And, and our good friend EBF, uh, Nick Posto, uh, he called it. He, he said that Matt Forte would be a bust. Now, okay, 12th in the league, Mike, isn't a bust. Let's just clarify that right now. The guy did get I mean, The guy has a ton of talent, and I, I know what he can bring to the table, but that's what I'm waiting for. You know, I can't sit there and – and waste a first round draft pick on the, on a guy that I don't know what's going to happen. Right. So right. Yeah, nine nine uh, nine hundred yards for a guy that that leads his team and carries two hundred fifty carries, uh, nine hundred yards, four touchdowns. I mean, the only thing he really did he was he was Jake Cutler's favorite checkdown. He got fifty seven catches that way. Again, we're playing fantasy football, but if I'm the Bears, I'm I'm beginning to uh, wonder if if he's the right guy to lead our team. And, and you know, the offensive line, PZ saying it in the chat room, Invictus, it's not the best. It's one of the worst. So, 
Um, you, you've got to reconsider Matt Forte. You've got guys like Reggie Bush in this tier, Mike. You've got Sean Green, the rookie. I know you're high on this Sean Green kid. Sean Green. Five years of age. He looks great. I love Sean Green. Sean Green. I, you know, Scott, I love Sean Green. Uh, this guy is the heir apparent, and uh, Mark Sanchez, he's the heir apparent. The New York Jets, they've got a lot of things to be happy about because you got yeah. two rookie guys. That they got their feet wet. They got their feet wet, mm-hmm. and they're they're looking good. They're looking good. But uh, Sean Green, uh, with or without Sanchez, is a monster. I mean, he looks that good. Well, I'll tell you what. I agree with you, and and, and I I'm 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 almost prompted to put Sean Green a little higher than that. Maybe even squeaking him into my top ten, Mike, because that offensive line it doesn't get much better than that. When you've got that type of offensive line, no matter how good you are. You're going to get through the carries, and what the Jets need, Mike, is Brandon Marshall. And we'd be hearing a lot more of that chant if the Jets land Brandon Marshall. But this is a running back show tonight, so we're going to keep it. Uh, we're going to keep it centered on the running back. So Sean Green's an interesting proposition, Mike. I'm going to give you a name, Mike. Uh, Kevin Smith. It's interesting to see how low everybody is on Kevin Smith. But I like you. Boy, he had a gruesome knee injury. There were already questions about Kevin Smith, and these ligaments that he tore were absolutely some of the worst. Mike, they don't know if this kid's going to recover the way he needs to after the injury that he sustained. Um, but no, I think he'll be back. I'll be back. I'm looking forward to his return. Uh, if not, then uh, Green, Green looks good. Mike, Brandon Jacobs, buy or sell? Uh, buy. I'll, st- I'll still say buy. I, saw- I told you buy last week. I'll still say buy. He's a guy that you're definitely going to get at a value this year. Um, I- as I told you guys earlier last week, uh, Brandon Jacobs was uh, just drafted in a redraft that I'm participating in, and we got Brandon Jacobs at running back. 39, Mike. That's not a misprint. I said it right. 39. Let me tell you some of the guys that were drafted before Brandon Jacobs, okay? Some of the names that were drafted before Brandon Jacobs, and I'm just going to start up here with, uh, oh, you know, Joseph Adai, Reggie Bush, Ronnie Brown, Thomas Jones, Fred Jackson, Darren McFadden, Marion Barber, Steve Slayton, Clinton Porras, Cadillac Williams, Donald Brown, Darren Sproles, Jonathan Dwyer, Kevin Smith, C.J. Filler, LaDainian Tomlinson. All those guys were taken before Brandon Jacobs at 39. I mean, he's down here with the likes of Tim Hightower and Justin Forsett, Mike. How in the world? Uh, you, you're telling me Amon Bradshaw, is, uh, he, he's kept, he kept Jacobs off the field quite a bit, and he did more when he had the rock. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know if Jacobs has it left. I don't know if he has it in the tank. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, it's up to Coach Coughlin. Uh, uh, Coach Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, he's gonna, he's gonna figure out who's gonna be the guy. And uh, you know, it may not be Brandon Jacobs, but uh, I'm, I'm too, I, I'm gonna stick with him. Steve Slayton, Mike, buy or sell on Steve Slayton? Whoa, boy, that's a toughie. That is a toughie. The fumble Ruski, man, that guy, the the way he likes to fumble the ball, um, 
I would love to buy him, but I can't. I can't. Yeah. You know, his value has absolutely fell off the face of the earth. And, you know, Arian Foster, the kid from Tennessee, uh, the rookie, did get in there and get activated. And he played great. And I think it's his job to lose. But now we're hearing whispers that they might just go ahead and draft a running back in this draft because they feel like that's the the only piece they need to push it to the next level. And, obviously, I think they need some work on defense. They've got talent. They just have poor execution. But they're talking about drafting the running back. Mike, if you are a Steve Slayton owner and the Houston Texans draft a running back in this draft, you're stuck. It's over. (laughs) You might as well just get anything you can for it because get Garrett Hartley if you're lucky because (laughs) there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there, no. Uh, no. Here's a name for you, man. Michael Bush. Buy or sell? Buy. Buy, buy, buy. Buy, 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 buy. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. I think, it, I think the same thing. It's a buy. Um, Darren McFadden. I, I, I don't think they're going to – you never know what Al Davis is going to do. That's the problem. And – I don't. Well, I think I think Al Davis. I wish I wish Till Bill was here right here, but uh, you know I think Al Davis. He's going to stick with Cable. Uh, He's going to stick with what uh, Krukowski is doing. And uh, but the one thing about it is uh, that McFadden is going to be used as more as a receiver than anything else. If you want touchdown fantasy points, like what we're talking, you're talking about Michael Bush. Well, there are also uh, Lance is in the chat room uh, hyping up Jamal Charles. Uh, and, you know, I think Jamal Charles, he's lightning quick. But those small backs scare me, Mike. This is the National Football League. I'm just a little little leery about that. Darren Sproles. Yeah, what, I mean, that, that's what Emmett Smith said. Yeah, what's the difference between Darren Sproles and Jamal Charles? I mean, they, they both run with the same type of shifty moves, and they squeak through the line, and they're both lightning fast. And, you know, I mean, if Darren Sproles gets an opportunity, I mean, we've seen what he can do with it, but he can't carry the load. These backs, it's got to it's gotta be a matter of bulk and size and being able to just take a pounding, Mike, because you can't count on those young backs to play a full season. No, no. I mean, but, you know, I, I mean, there, there's some backs that can do it. I mean, Emma Smith, 5'9". Five 5'9", nine. Five nine, what, what, 180? I mean, yeah. the guy was not okay. huge. All right, last one, Mike. Jerome Harrison, before we go. Jerome Harrison, buy or sell? Uh, shoot, you got to buy him. You got to buy him. Uh, based on the fact the way he uh, finished off the year with uh, Cleveland, I mean, it was solid. Uh, he he had the uh, biggest games that, we, that Cleveland Browns have ever seen. And... Uh, but you got to understand that that's the only option. Yeah, I think mean, that had a lot to do with it, and, and I don't. I think I'm selling him for as much as I can get. That I do not trust what I saw. Uh, they've also got James Davis coming back. They're going to have a little bit of a crowded backfield to return there. I'm not buying on what I saw in Jerome Harrison. Uh, it's been way too long. The statistics on backs that didn't make it over the, after the first four years coming out to make it are. It's, he's, he's overcoming some very long odds, so I'm not going to bank on it. 
uh, I, yeah. I would definitely tell. Well, my goes, we're out of time tonight. We're going to come back and do this tomorrow or, or next Friday. Daytona is, is Sunday, Mike. I've got Montoya, Tony Stewart, and Kyle Busch. Those are my top three, Mike. We'll see you next week, buddy. All right, man. Talk to you later. Hope you're not lonely